at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Okay, I think that's us. Can you guys hear yourselves? Uh, I can. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. We got it. Let me make sure. Check, check, check. Let me make sure it's loud enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is No Suggestion at Radio Free Brooklyn. No Suggestion is an improv comedy talk show. I'm Ralph Jean-Pierre. Got my co-host here, Xavier Pearson. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Hey. Uh, this show, we talk about whatever is going on in our lives or whatever comes to mind, and then we'll do some improv comedy around it. So you'll hear us jump into scenes and characters in the middle of our conversation. It might be... You might get surprised by it. Don't worry and don't be afraid. Everything's okay. No one is having a stroke. Our guest today is uh, one of my favorite uh, improvisers and comedians in the city. A real, uh, 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 you probably know this and resist it, but a real mentor to me, Chris Griggs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want anyone to think I created you, but yes, a mentor. This is all your fault. Influence. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. It's just fun. You're starting a new thing. It sounds fun. That's cool. Yeah, man. I'm on the radio. Um, I don't know. Oh, this, so I want to say this. I don't know if I ever told you this, Griggs, but this was like a very <laughs> formative. Uh, uh, this is when I think for myself, I adopted you. Do you have people you've adopted, Xavier, as mentors who don't know about it or just like secret? Yes. Yes. So, yes. So. I was taking your class, level three, right? Uh-huh. I had just come home off of my bicycle tour. So my, my head was probably a little blown up, too. I was taking to level three. And and at, the, I, at the pit, probably. At the pit, okay. at the People's Improv Theater. In New York, New York. All right. Yep. And I remember that there was, you know, I was like, I was used to, like, kicking ass in improv classes. Just, like, fucking, just, like, getting up there and just showing off. And I wasn't. And there was another guy. His name was Adam something. Slender white dude. Who was I just, see the face. He was fucking slaying in that class every week. <laughs> and I was just like always bombing. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I not? And then I remember th- hearing your notes and thinking like, these notes make sense. And then at one point, I remember hearing myself defending myself against some note you were given. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing, Ralph? Just do what Grig said. Just do exactly what he said. And then, and then I started doing that, and immediately everything changed for me in that class. Immediately, I started to like shoot forward, and that taught me like the I think the biggest my biggest personal belief about improv and acting, which is the most all the shit crying on cue and transforming into a all this bullshit that people talk about in improv or in acting to me is like take notes. Like when the director or your coach gives you a note, just take the note. Yeah, that to me was like the biggest. That's interesting. I wonder what my note was. I don't think notes there matter. Were plenty I, of them. I tell people, yeah, I tell people, I don't think notes matter as long as you can do it. It's mm. almost like if a director gave you an adjustment and you still wanted to do something else. If I could actually play the adjustment, then I could say, "Look, I just did it the way you wanted, but I still think maybe I want to do this." And that's why I never. I think I, when people fight notes. Like when I would get notes coming up, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to show that I can do this. And then I wouldn't sweat it as long as I could do it. Because I think a real artistic choice is when, oh, I could do this or I could do that. I like doing this. Because, uh, you know, we know plenty of improvisers that they don't do anything that I would probably teach in a class. But I love watching them. And they okay. would probably be on my greatest hits album of people I love to watch. But they're, it's, I feel like it's a choice. Like, oh, 
you know, like I know people that never yes and, but they could. Mm, you know, mm, like there's people we know, like, oh, I could do it, but I think artistically I like to do this. So, I mean, to me, improvisation, particularly at its heart, it should at least be malleable. So at the very least, I should be able to find, if I can really say yes to people, that means, I mean, from all walks of life, that means I should be able to adjust what I'm going to do because it, improv never goes where you think it's going to go. Mm. So it's like, everybody's got a plan until they get hit sort of thing. So I like it. You know, if I were taking a class from someone, I would just want to know that I could execute the note. And I've gotten plenty of notes that, oh, I can't do that. I still remember notes. You know, I remember, man, this was a searing note that I got. Oh, my God. This is probably like 15 years plus more where I got. Um, she has no idea. It's funny because you're telling me something. I had no idea. This yeah. would be the same boat. Kimmy Gatewood was, uh, I think she was coaching a group I was in. And Kimmy Gatewood, I mean, she's killing it. She's directing Netflix films and she's doing, she was in uh, Glow and she's fantastic. And she gave me this note um, and she said, you know, Chris, uh, I find most of the time on stage, you're very truthful, but sometimes you're not and you know when you're not. And I thought, wow, man, what a very surgically specific wow. note. And it was like, ugh. And I, uh, I didn't argue it, but it, I felt it and I still remember it. So it was a thing that I really worked on. Like one of the few things you have control over, especially in improv is just being honest, you know, or being sincere on some level. I find sometimes in surgery, you're, you're making a cut that you know is right, but right now you're not, this is a cut that is wrong, doctor. Well, I, I don't know why. I've never heard you speak up before, Clarence, in surgery. I mean, we, we're on a clock. We have, there's a person's life at stake. I've never heard you. I, I'm just, an, I'm just, a, what is, I'm just, this is my residency, but I just, I'm, I'm watching you do the surgery, and I think you know this is a wrong cut. Ten minutes on the clock, ten minutes on the clock. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. Look, this can I be honest? This is surgery, but please. I'd like to be honest. I'm, I'm doing this cut because I've never seen what's inside this part of the body. Oh. Not, li not live. I've read the books. I've, I've watched videos, but I don't know what's beneath this part of the skin. That's what I felt, that you were taking some sort of <laughs> took a detour. A detour, yes. Medically, but we, this is a very important surgery. It's a heart surgery. It's one of the most delicate. I, I, you know, Don't detour to see what... To see what this man's sternum looks a small, like. A small incision in the sternum. That's no. all I, just a little, little, small. All right. You know what? You're right. I, I don't know why I'm trying to be a maverick. Let's but, just go back to surgery. Okay, good. All right, halftime, gentlemen. Uh, the, you've spent most of your first two minutes chit-chatting. Yeah. Carl, real seriously, like the football lingo, we're, we're surgeons of man's life. I get it. You love football. It's not halftime. It's a man's life. So let's give me scalpel. Thank Football you. is war. But all right, here's your scalpel. Thank you. Thank don't, you. Thank don't, you. don't cut any further into the, even though it seems very interesting what an actual stern, I haven't seen one either, but don't, let's stick to the plan. Don't reveal to the light what a human being's sternum looks like and all the crevices and cracks and twists and turns. This morning I, I realized I'll never have a child. I'll never be in a loving relationship and I'll never see, I've never seen the inside, the sternum. I'm on the goal line. Boy, mm. goal. <laughs> you know, football. Mm, and I'm yeah. like, 
This is the one thing I could control. I can't control having a baby. I could look inside this man's sternum. Just because you can't solve two of those three dilemmas. <laughs> this third one. And you there. could solve this third one right now. Maybe <sighs> with no repercussions. Doesn't mean you should. I, I just so just a small. No, let's go back. Let's oh, go, back. Go. Oh, go let's back. Go back to the, oh, heart. To the heart. In the heart. To the heart oh, of the, the matter. Heart of the matter. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. No, don't get rowdy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting... All right, all right, let's get the story. Uh, all right, uh, I can't help it. Oh, oh, oh it's oh an God. eagle. There's an, an eagle, eagle on his story. There's an eagle in the story. Let me oh. get this on my Instagram. Oh, my God. Ed Doctor. Tom Brady is Tom here. Brady. I called him. <laughs> I called him. See Tom Brady? Uh, <laughs> um... Xavier, I saw you. You're <laughs> nodding your head when when Griggs was talking about uh, was it note that's difficult to take? Maybe do you, did you have some thoughts about that? You wanted to? I'm putting on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, most of the time, I I've I've had a uh, yeah similar experience where I I'm I find it hard to I don't uh, take a note, but it's because I, I feel I feel like notes are something that happens after the fact. And the improv is the thing that's happening in the moment, so it's it's some it feels futile to give someone notes, but it's um it's always uh it always makes sense mm. yeah, I don't know if this makes any sense at all, but the only notes that I think that matter are trends, so like are an, trends? Indiv- an individual note to me means nothing. But yeah. if you keep getting a similar note, because everybody in improv has big things they got to work on. Yeah. So if you keep getting a note that you're passive aggressive all the time, there's probably something you need to work on. But I, individual notes, I, I don't, I mean, I think it was, a, it was a teacher of mine that said in a perfect world, we'd all just go to the mountains and improvise for 10 years. And then we would never talk about it. And then we'd all come back and improv at the end of it. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, anyway. I mean, you know, it's such a, I, I wonder I have I have hopes for this for this podcast or any improv thing that you do that hopefully it's getting out to people who don't know anything about this is an interesting thing. I when I make any art, I don't care at all about the enthusiasts of the art. Ooh. In music and comedy and the I don't care about Yeah, the people who go see every play. Oh, the okay. people who see a lot of improv, the people who see a lot of stand up. The pe- I don't do stand up, but you know what I mean? The people who see a lot of that thing or do a lot of that people who are very serious and encyclopedic about hip hop or music. I don't care about those people. I only really care about casual fans cuz i i feel like that's they're the rubric they're the bar if you can hook somebody who only really has a casual who casually cares about the thing then i think you're doing it on the highest level then the people who are the enthusiasts are going to be like holy shit you know what i mean i, well, I can't enthusiasts find- sometimes are the worst audience members yes. but i got to say though i do i do i do love hooking an enthusiast because i feel like they've seen everything and mm. been everywhere and watched everything but I do believe that the people that matter the most are – there's nothing better than like if you're doing – if I'm doing stand-up or in a play or doing improv and people – I've had so – especially because um, I've done it for a while like with my group, the Baldwins, and we've get, we get a lot of tourists. And to Ooh. have someone that goes, I don't like improv, but I that was interesting. I like that. Or even better is when they say, I love Whose Line Is It Anyway. But this <laughs> yes. is not that. Yes. But this is cool too. I love that because – I mean, especially, you know, with stand-up, I don't know if I feel this way as much because 
I think, I don't know, stand-up is kind of a different art form. But improv, I think, is an art form that helps people become better people. And I, I love the idea of trying to spread something that I think fundamentally helps people um, as a soft skill that makes them better humans. It, I, yeah, I wonder, now I'm thinking, because you made a, you, you said something earlier that you did a small uh, reference to Mike Tyson. Yeah. I feel like most intense disciplines make people better people because the Ooh, because the yeah. rules of it don't change the fundamentals don't change you know what i mean it's like somebody just posted something and i was watching an interview with mike tyson just today and it's like how i don't want to be too incredulous about this because it feels insulting but like sort of the most model one of the most model citizens like public figures alive today is mike tyson sure he's like a he's like a buddha now and it's like how did how did how did that guy from Brownsville, like the fucking most, you know, depraved dude in America become like this, like, and I think it's because of that, going through that gauntlet of like having to master something, you know? But what's interesting about Tyson though, is that, I mean, I've, I love, I've listened to a ton of Tyson interviews too. And Tyson, he's the Buddha now, yes. but he thinks when he was going through that gauntlet, that he was a horrible person. Like he was like, I, I just wanted to kill people. Yep. I was basically in a very traumatic relationship with my mentor. Yep. And it was, a. I mean, I, I don't know if he says the word abusive, but when he talks about it, it feels abusive. Mm. And so, you know, and then he got out of it and then he started smoking pot and letting the belly go a little bit. And he kind of becomes more of like this Buddha. And so when he was getting ready for his, uh, well, who was the match he just did? Roy Jones. Yeah. With Roy Jones <laughs> yeah. match. He had to go back to that. And I was listening to him do a podcast where he was saying like, you know, it's good, but he can feel the darkness coming in again. He can Whoa. feel that like, I want to break people. Yeah. Um, and that is, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, are all things good for people? Like, I don't, I think improv is fundamentally helpful for everybody. You know, the worst thing that happens if you study a little improv, is you make a friend probably. But like with, I know with standup, I love standup and I would never stop doing it. But I don't know that it's fundamentally healthy to write about yourself for hours in the shadows or huh. to go around all around the country sometimes and not be around friends and family. Like, I love it, but. I don't know that I think it makes, I don't know if it makes me a better person. I definitely think improv makes me a better person. I think there are some people for whom the, that the discipline of it is edifying. You know what I mean? It, it, the discipline of, let's say, doing stand-up. I think, like, I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, Bobby Lee. Yeah. You know, and he's like a recovering addict. There's a lot of recovering addicts in stand-up. And I think the the outlet of it is very helpful for for a lot of people. So I think it, it's helpful and healthy for certain kinds of people, the kind of people who need to, who need to do that kind of thing. There's another thing you just made me think of though, which I don't know if either of you have this, but I found this years ago and it's like, I can relax it a lot, but I find that when I'm watching, we brought up football in the scene we did earlier. Mm -hmm. When I'm watching improv, I don't like sports I don't really follow sports I follow certain sports figures but I don't know anything about sports but when I watch improv I'm watching like I'm watching sports like I'm like Fuck, fucking do, do the you know what I mean like That's I get I get like uh you know what I mean I'm I feel like I'm watching my team win or lose you know now, what I mean do you, do you yeah, feel yeah. that way like depending on where you are and what the show is because for me like if I'm doing a show like sometimes if I'm working with really good people and I'm in a really good venue and there's a packed house. 
I just, I'm kind of in the moment and I just serve the show and I have a good time. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, and you and I have been in these places, like I'm in maybe a small venue where like you've seen me do shows, especially some of the shows, uh, you know, in Brooklyn on the Monday nights where they're basically like, whose line is, you know, it's almost like basically (laughs) short form. And I do find myself on those shows, like just do this thing. Like I get very like, you know, don't settle for this level Mm. of what that is. And I don't, but I don't get competitive with when I'm in that arena, but I do get competitive. And like, if I was in a bar show, I get very competitive about, I'm going to make this bar show work. work. It's not when I'm in the show. It's only when I'm watching from the outside. Yeah. When I'm in the show, I'm more focused on what's happening and I just want to help it get better. I will get frustrated if I feel like I'm playing with people who are, but you know, I got to even check myself during and after about like, what am I getting upset about? Everybody's doing the best they could. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. But uh, it's not when I'm, it's when I'm watching. I really have a thing. I can't like, uh, like I, I won't, I won't watch a, uh, I won't watch a, uh, let me do this real fast and I'll go to this point. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener supported radio. Um, uh, your support keeps us going. You can donate to Radio Free Brooklyn and we have a mobile app so you can listen. Mm-hmm. If this is your first time listening or whatever, you can listen on your phone. Just get the app and whenever you open the app, you can just listen to whatever is playing. We have 75 different shows happening here all the time. I had a point. Will I lose it? Will I keep it? Um, I think it's gone. No. Well, I, 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 well I had a question for you while you were talking yeah. about that. It's what, when When you're... Is it a thing where you're 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 seeing your what you would do on stage? I know I have this thing where that's poss- you know most of the time when I'm watching I'm I'm like what would my response be or I'm I'm like damn I wish I was up there I would I would do this move. Is it that that's that makes you that invested? It's related to that. I don't feel so much what I the move I would make, but I just I just can feel very acutely like how are you digging laterally or are you digging down? Are you just trying to, oh, what's, what's something I could do? Or are you trying to say something that's truer to you? Okay. And I feel like I can feel that on my skin in, inside. The like, lateral thing physically bothers me. When I'm yeah, watching, yeah. When I, especially when I'm watching improv, and it's like, just don't talk. Like mm. I would rather see someone just be silent. Like yeah. you and I have a, we, we both know there was this wonderful actor. He's in LA now, but one of the best improvisers I've ever seen, like Chris Grace. And mm. uh, he mm. was an expert. Like if nothing was going on, he would just sit there and maybe be playing chess with himself or something. But he was totally captivating. Oh yeah. And I Very realized like, don't, why am I talking? Like there's no point to talking and just being lateral. That's just, you're not comfortable with yourself. Mm. So I think 101 with improv, which is kind of a hard thing for people. And it's certainly something I did. My first year of improv, I took yoga. I was reading books on Taoism. I had a rubber band around my wrist half the time and I was snapping it. I'd rub my fingers together. Anything to pull myself back in the present because a lot of bad improv is not necessarily because people are making bad choices. It's because they can't stand silence or because they're trying to control something that can't be controlled. It's therapy. It's got nothing to do with artistic choices. It's, it's stuff. This is why it's a good art form for it becomes therapy. It's humanity. And so I'm watching something and I'm like, you're just being lateral because you're afraid. And that's why. And and that whole thing I find fascinating. How dare you tell me I'm afraid? How dare you? Don't tell me I'm afraid because I, I know exactly what I'm doing. Sir, I, we, we weren't telling you you're afraid. We just want to huh. get the details. 
for I, our for your witness uh, testimony. I was mugged, but I had complete composure the whole time. I, 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 I'm, I'm a manager of I, 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 I'm a manager and I'm the proprietor of this bank. And how dare you tell me I was afraid? I simply I was I was worried that the mugger would hurt himself trying to mug me. Do you want to buckle your uh, your belt? Bef- uh, you want a moment to buckle your the belt? On? I just because it, it feels as though I'm moving. I know I'm stopped, but I felt the need to buckle the belt. But that's simply because I have safety. Because I have sa- a, a sense of safety. Okay. I, at one point uh, during the uh, uh, the uh, I'm just gonna um, hold on to the dashboard and the window. Just oh, for, sure, no problem. Whatever makes you comfortable. At one point during me. this robbery, did the did you unbuckle your your pants? At, at what point, or did I? Uh, well, it's clear that you have. Uh, but at what point did you? The mugger asked me. To, the mugger asked me to undo my pants, and I. I, and oh, I, uh, I oh, oh, that I'm so sorry. I, I wow. I simply obliged because he because he was convincing. He convinced me to. I wasn't forced to. I wasn't scared. I simply obliged because he he asked me. I wasn't scared. <laughs> I want this damn thing buckle. Yeah, you know, I I've been just kind of listening. I'm a I'm a supervising detective, and oh. I don't. You seem like you've gone through a lot of trauma, and uh, you're trying to soothe me somehow with your voice. I, I need well, no you, soothing. You just seem really. I you've gone through a bad situation, <laughs> and and I'll be honest with you. You know, for it's I understand your your belt unbuckled and your pants are kind of down, but it yeah, seems like like my mother's. <clears throat> it, it, yes, it seems like that your pants are still down and your belt still unbuckled. So maybe maybe there's something going on that's bigger than what happened. Yeah, I could put this notepad down, or we could just talk about you. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't pick have that to. Note, pick that notepad up. There's, there's a crime to investigate. Deduce. I... Sometimes the crime is why we don't love ourselves. I'm just, you know, I think the best thing about being a police officer is we get to help people. I, I agree with that. And your pants, I mean, you could have buckled your pants up when the mugger left. I wasn't sure if he would come back. I, Find someone who needs now we're getting help there. with your soothing. That's it. I don't we need. sure if he wasn't coming back. That's a big deal. Let's embrace that little statement. Let's frame it. Let's put it. Let's put it on a medallion and put it around your neck. Your neck. It's a necklace. Where? I'm not where sure who's coming back. I mean, that's not something that uh, I got mugged. I don't know if I'd want the person to come back. I didn't unless, want him to come back, but at the I same did. time. I, I felt uh, as though he seduced me a bit. He seduced you. Do you want me to call back up? Would you like me to call? I, I truly don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what I want at this moment. I want maybe I wanted a, just a friend. I can call some backup, some emotional support, and we can get a big hug going on in this Emotional room. support backup. I tell you, ESP. It's the ESP department. I'm proprietor of this bank. And one thing I don't need from anybody is a hug. All I need, all I need. I'm so excited. Stay, uh, breaker, breaker. We're I'm gonna so need, excited. I'm gonna need some backup here. I'm so we've, excited. We've got an emotional I'm so breakdown. Excited. I'm, I'm about to lose control. Bring all, yes, everyone it. you can. 
I'm taking my pants off. I'm taking. The I need crowd off. control. Everyone else in the bank, back, everyone, stop please looking. back up. Stop everyone, looking here. Please. There's nothing to see There's here. Nothing to see this here. is an emotional breakthrough. I'll do nothing lewd. I just need them off for a ma'am, while. Ma'am, ma'am, please step back. Okay, stop have, filming this. It's gonna be at least a few hours that this my pants will be off. Not a comedy show. Stop filming. Close the bank. Close the bank because we're about to make an emotional deposit. I just made radio this in. Everyone's coming down. That's good. I uh, I need support. Also, uh, hey, uh, listen. I'm sorry to interrupt this, but uh, oh, you're I, back. I, just, I mugged you, and, and I feel oh, okay. I feel bad. So look, I didn't really want to. I I'll be honest. I've been why I wanted to ask you out. I didn't know how to ask you out. I knew. And then the last second, us. I freaked out. And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm, give me your wallet and uh, unbutton your pants. And uh, but, but deep down, you hid your face. I did. You thought I'd forget that cleft in your chin. That's right. That's right. Nine. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right. I don't know. I think we went to prom together. That was beautiful. <laughs> oh, beautiful. By the way, send your cards and letters to. <laughs> what happened? That that one it was one of those where we're doing it when it's like, okay, this isn't this this is gonna this trigger somebody. <laughs> anyway, we apologize. Yeah. It's all made up. It's all it's not it's all made up. It's not real. I um what was I gonna say? I uh I really what were we talking about before we started, Grizz, we were talking about uh um I felt I felt like you said something so wise, which is something I've not mastered at all, which is you're like, I just online when people are arguing, which is I think what we've been doing for the last maybe five years or six years since Trump got elected, but especially in the pandemic. And you're just like, I just don't get involved. I wish I had that kind of discipline. I, I just don't. don't look at it as a real conversation. You know, it's it's funny. I have a friend of mine so many who's very in Ohio. And uh, he, he and I used to work together in another life and he's very uh, conservative and he's also very, uh, very Italian, very, you know, he's very big and he likes to argue sometimes and things. And, and he said something to me, which I really liked. He sent me a message and this was kind of, I think when the pandemic was going and everybody was kind of going crazy on social media, he was like, you know, I think what, why you and I still are friends, even though I doubt we agree on anything politically mm-hmm. is that you and I still kind of have that mentality like, you know, before social media, we had community. So maybe I didn't like Ike over here. I didn't like Susie, but we all had to go to the softball games together because of our wow. kids. We all had community. We all had family. I couldn't just show my ass all the time. I had to wow. actually have empathy. I had to actually have mutual respect for people. So you just don't come in hot with someone because you don't agree with them because you have a face-to-face community and there you lose that on social media and people just kind of like... I do believe power corrupts. And I think there is a certain power with people on their keyboard sometimes where they, they feel like, oh, I, I can now make a difference and I have control. And so I, to me, it's not a conversation. I'll talk about anything face-to-face. I won't talk on social media about hardly anything. And it's weird. I've only gotten in one argument. And I'm on social media a lot, you know, like I'm yeah. on all the time. I've only really gotten in one argument the entire time I've ever been on social media. And weirdly enough, it's funny because we all have our own little weird uh, trigger things. Oh, yeah. And what's ironic is now, you know, it was about Chappelle. And now what's funny, and this is probably like, 
I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And this is now Chappelle, you know, because he's in trouble with, with uh, people a little bit. But I got into it with someone because this was back when Chappelle first, remember when he first came back after the Chappelle show and he kind of yeah. vanished for a while? Yeah. And he was coming back. And people were heckling him and saying, like, do Rick James and all that. I was so angry because to me, it's just like, this is someone that's been gone for 10 years and this is an icon in comedy. And so you just because you bought a ticket, you don't get the right to be disrespectful because people were, I mean, at one show, I think they were heckling him with like an eight or nine minutes of him coming back, not even heckling him, but just like, Hey, do this and yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. And then he wouldn't do it. And then that made people angry. So I got into one thing with someone. And then what's interesting to me, just as a weird circle of life, I remember, I know exactly who this person was. And then it became this bigger thing. And I got completely angry on social media, but they, they banned me or they, yeah, you know, whatever they do, they banned me. And then I banned them. And then now what's funny is in the last six months, this person has quietly come back on my public page and they're liking things and making comments, never addressed the fact that they banned me yeah, seven yeah. years ago over this Chappelle argument. Um, but I don't know. It's just interesting. There's so many little things like that of just like people get into arguments or whatever and then kind of goes away and then we try to drift back into each other's lives. Or you don't, don't acknowledge it. Don't acknowledge it. We don't talk about it. And then I sort of feel like I'm learning that in life, sometimes you're not going to get those. A lot of times you're not going to get those. Uh, those things aren't going to be required or resolved or dealt with or addressed. They're just you're just gonna move forward through life and just. Kinda. You beef, Xavier. You always seem kind of likable. You yeah. beef a little bit you a or beefer? no? Are you a beefer? <laughs> no, that's not so, a big beefer. That's so funny because it seemed. <laughs> I feel shamed because that seems so preposterous to you that you would. I I, I think that's a great. And if you could even, you, you've thing. got your arms crossed. You've got your. Uh, no, I Never. don't be you. Bar, I don't know what you barbarians are talking about. I don't engage in discourse yeah it's funny i i've just today i've 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 gotten uh, i've gotten a, a bit uh, uh a little bit angry at my coworker for you know bringing up something something what triggers about, you because that's you know as the kids say what is it that you find like an immediate knee-jerk emotional response and you don't even always know like why am i so triggered by this okay well there's there's a specific moment where on the train that I could think of a lo when us wait uh, like I don't know a long time ago where this this was a moment where I was I first realized like I really was triggered by something was there was a a mom and a child and they were sitting on the train uh, there were two parents actually and every second the parent was uh stopping the kid from doing something every second the kid would Oof. like try to adjust himself and the parent would be immediately on him jeez or and and uh or or the kid would like say it like say anything just just use their voice and the parent would be like what what do you what do you what's going on what are you doing <laughs> and i was with a friend i was like i gotta move we got it can we switch cars i'm gonna get mad i'm gonna get really angry wow and i think i don't know maybe it's something with with the way i grew up it's or so the things that i've encountered where i can't if something if i'm just trying to exist and then some, and then I'm get, uh, I don't know if it's got, it's Squashed. a specific, yeah, it's a specific thing. Cause I know in improv, I, 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 you, you have to work with people and you have to work within certain boundaries. And maybe that's how I play is that I try to 
to work with myself in a way. But yeah, that that's, that's sort of a thing. That makes yeah. so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a kind of a similar. Tr- I'm sure that would trigger me. But here's the thing. I, I wonder if you encounter this. Uh, but this is a thing that happens a lot in the hood, which is like these kids are bad. All these bad kids. These kids. Why are you being so? Oh my! Is it yeah. bad? Like yeah. just calling the kids bad or lazy or something. I encounter something I grew up with, and it's like just over and over. And it's like what you don't realize is that if you keep calling me, uh, you know, bad, for example, it's like you're really backing me into a corner. If you do it hundreds of times, mm-hmm. it's like I have no choice but to either prove you right or prove you wrong. Yeah. Now that I I have to do that, I have to do one of the two things, and neither is a good option you know what i mean and it's like watching adults bully is kind of a trigger for me because it seems so especially when it's not like i almost can have some empathy for parents because you're around this person all the time and maybe it kind of wears you down and i may be catching you at a bad moment Mm. but especially when people to your point like you see neighborhood people sometimes or people like oh that that's a bad it's like you don't know you know like Mm. you don't know it just feels bullish to Mm. me yeah, there's a there's a lot. The other thing I find that's a trigger for me that I'm like trying to learn to work on. There's a clubhouse room that I like to go into, and there's a young lady in there who's just like, she will say things as though it goes for everyone or as though they're fact. Yeah, and I find myself in contention with her, and like, and in my head I'm like, well, I'm right because I'm 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 trying to say like it's fine that it's your opinion, but you're trying to speak for everyone. But really, it's like. I'm feeding into she's doing what she's doing for whatever reason that, and I don't agree with what she's doing, but I'm feeding into it by responding when I just ne- really need to deal with my own agita, I deal with my own agitation and not, and not respond to it and let her not try to control what she's doing. You know what I mean? I'm trying to control what she's doing and I have to like let that go. And that is so hard in the moment. It's so difficult to, f- to breathe and find the space to go. I don't need to win this at all. You know what I mean? Well, people that speak for others in around them, I feel like that's interesting. Why, why is that necessary? And it's funny. Cause you know, I had, a, I was in a class once and it was, uh, cause sometimes I, you know, we were talking like I teach, uh, in the acting department at a couple of institutions. So I was in this class and this, uh, I, I don't know who knows. It was a note, I guess that triggered the kid, whatever. And, uh, so, they just made this big, like, I mean, really kind of from zero to 60, like that. They just got hot at me, like really coming at me hard. And then, but what was funny about it, it's not even, I was just kind of listening to it because it was, I think when people immediately jump, you sort of like should back off and try to listen because it's like, okay, this seems like this is not about me. Mm. But so there, he's really angry and he's kind of yelling at me almost. And then at some point he did this move, like you're talking about where he was like, uh, yeah, and you know what? nobody in this room knows what you're talking about without it out of da. And then I said, Oh, I'm sorry. So you all don't understand what I'm talking about. And they were like, no, no, we understand what you're talking about. So like, nobody, <laughs> it just like, he kind of embarrassed himself because he was ready. You know, are you with me? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. was like, no, man, we're cool. This is like a thing with you. This has nothing to do with us. And I, I just thought that was funny because I'm sure in other instances, maybe everybody did have that same opinion as someone else sure. but it was just funny that that's just i mean like that's not even a check-in with others that's just you're trying to pull a power move right um which is interesting yeah i see that and a thing i'm personally trying to come to terms with is this is a, a very this is 
very personal, even though it's not juicy in any way, but <laughs> it is very personal. It's like, um, uh, I, I do think that I'm right most of the time. I think that probably like most people, or maybe most people aren't like that, but I do think that. And because I know that I think that, I will immediately, this is like a reflex in my brain. I'll go, well, you're probably wrong. You, your tendency, Ralph, is to think that you're right. You're probably wrong. So I'll do, and so now it becomes then hard for me to trust my own instincts because I have Ooh. a reflex in my mind that tells me you're probably wrong because it's arrogant uh, and, uh, and uh, could be calamitous to think that you're right all the time. So so now I so now like when I see things I'm like I think I know what that is I have to go I you probably don't know and the, and then it but you know you you tell me what you think I find this interesting too about you because you're talking about this thinking you're right most of the time I find like especially because you're talking about social media like so I'll, I'll read your threads a lot of times I'll read the thread and I, you sound like someone that absolutely thinks they're right my God on social media <laughs> now but my here's worst the fear <laughs> all right and you tell me what you think because okay. I'm curious because we're kind of giving it a little outside diagnostic yeah. yeah in person I would have no idea that that's who you were like that's you so and I've known yeah. each other a long time you <laughs> yeah. and I have had conversations we've had conversations like you and I have had things where like you know, our stand-ups, good actors and things, but we just fundamentally don't agree on it. Sure. And we're not even close. Like you're way over here and I'm over here. I've never felt like it was an argument. I just mm. felt like it was two people talking about <laughs> ideas. I've never been around you. I've never been around you when I thought we were even remotely in a debate where one of us was trying to win or change the other. I mean, like, yeah, like, oh, have you ever thought about it this way? Sure. But when I watch you on social media, sometimes I'm like, no, you're absolutely going at it with these people. <laughs> and I've never seen you. I've never seen you that way in all my time in person. Filled with shame. What do you think? Is that feel? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I do. Filled yeah, with I shame. I agree with that. I now, it's like... not a note, but I'm just saying. I'm my just saying. Yeah. shoes are filled with shame. Yeah. I, if Anya's listening right now, she's like nodding. So you seem so <laughs> easy to get along with. I've never been around you in person and thought, you're way easy to get along I with. I think it's the, I think and this is not an excuse. This is because it's something I feel I have to learn to master and deal with. It's uh, it's something about the internet. I think, uh, I think like most people, but I really I think I'm uh, deliberate about it. Is most communication is nonverbal, so I'm like I may speak one way, but I'm sending signals that I'm listening that. Even if I don't, even even if I disagree, I'm not upset with you, or I don't know. Like even if I disagree, I don't know. I'm just, you know, what I mean. But I think I do try to speak directly, and I do try to say what I mean. And there's no way to tell that on on screen. And then because of that, it exacerbates. It's like, are you attacking me? Or and then I'm like, you know, what I mean, it just gets out of hand. And also, I think there's something about that dynamic that like triggers my anger response and, and it becomes more, it becomes more and more heated. And it's, I've it's never even useless. seen you angry. Oh. Like I've never, I, I've never seen you angry in real life. I don't know that I've ever even seen you angry on stage. Like where you're even playing super angry people. You, oh. if people were asking me like name a hundred people that you think are, are kind of angry, I, I wouldn't even, I don't even think you would remotely even come into my list. So Ooh. it's, it's fascinating. I do. I, I think, uh, I think I mean I have Xavier's like a, a hothead. Like he's got some anger problems. We get that. But <laughs> you, uh, here's here's what I think. I think 
Because I've respond, I've responded to some of your Facebook. Really? I've respond at least one. You've you've you <laughs> you've specifically tagged a, a bunch of people, and I was one Dear of the people you tagged. And what I, I Cyber, I just want to remember. I remember now. I've gotten I've gotten uh, spicy twice on the internet. Yeah. And one of them was when someone tagged me into uh-huh. a conversation that I want that I had no desire to be in, yeah. and they were dogging a friend of mine. On social media, oh, okay. and, I, and I was like, "Don't tag me and then drag me into this is my friend." What do you think? I'm gonna. I got your back because yeah. this is my friend. You know. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, yeah. Ralph, Ralph tagged me in the thing, and I, I, and Ralph had a. He was. You were you were posing a very uh a very specific. You wanted people to agree with you. You had a very specific idea, and yes. you want, and you were like that opinions everyone, and you wanted someone. <laughs> you wanted everyone to agree with you, and everyone mostly didn't. I I. I went in uh, like a couple weeks afterwards and I had a different opinion. Was I, did I respond and was I kind? You responded exactly how you respond if I saw you face to face. Okay. Okay. And I think it's because you, it's you when you're on the internet, you're, you're responding to the general internet crowd. But when you're, when you're with the people that you know, all of a sudden it's a conversation. Hmm. Hey, uh, look, I wanted to talk a little bit. Uh, I mean, we're friends, you know, I mean, I was in court, you know, and I told my lawyer to bring you in, you know, because I, I trust you. You're my best friend. And mm-hmm. I thought you were going to be my character witness. And I could be honest, some of the stuff you said on the stand, I don't know, kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And I don't think it helped my case. I'm just saying. Oh, really? You don't you didn't think it helped the case? No. I mean, you you, you said I had narcissistic tendencies, you know, and I mean, I'm in the middle. I mean, this is a big it's a big divorce. I'm kind of. I mean, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose a lot of money. You know, I thought you were going to, you know, come in and, you know, kind of talk about what a good person I was on the stand, you know, you talked you up. I mean, I, I was just trying to tell him the truth. I was just being honest. You know, this is, you know, we've, but you've never told me that. I mean, we've had a few drinks. We've all been a little loopy loop. You've never come up and go, Hey, I think, you know, you're kind of a narcissist. So I guess I didn't, I don't know. Was it like putting your hand on the Bible? Was it like looking at God? I mean, was it the prestige of court? Look, a lot of us, you know, when we're together, when we're talking and we're hanging out at a bar or something, you know. A lot of us? Is, uh, that, is that why you've got our friends on FaceTime right now? Is that? Yeah. I mean, we, we have a different opinion about you when you're not, he, when you're not around. And I just didn't want to, I, I wanted to let the general public know. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know what? I could have got someone else. I could have got anybody on that Facebook I could have any, got any friend, any of you would have had my back in this divorce case. You know, I lost, I lost $50,000. Hey, it's me, Earl. I, I didn't want to say anything, but I just overheard the case. I was watching in the, in the behind and, uh, I'm rooting for you, pal, but I just got to say, if I was, if you, if I was asked to go up on the stand, I, I, I would say that America has never seen a bigger narcissist in the last century. America? And the- Hello, knock knock. Who's there? Trump? Are we going to say Trump's not a bigger narcissist than me? I I wouldn't say that. He's in the public eye a lot. I mean, you. If they, He's a if public people figure. Saw, yeah, if they people saw, you know, the, what what the narcissism you're capable of. It's it's seismic. Seismic. What are you kidding, guys? Look, you know what? I run a biggest software company in Manhattan. I happen to be packing some. You know, packing a lot downstairs. I drive nice cars. 
You know what I mean? Fifth time you mentioned that. I today. mean, like, I got a boat. I get it. If you guys are getting a little intimidated, you but took, I can't. You just took this. You took the podium and said this at my daughter's quinceanera. It needed to be said. I felt like nobody really got who I was at this stupid wedding. That's right. It was a quinceanera. Nick, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't. Even, I didn't even know what it was <laughs> when I showed up. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, well, I don't know. Where am I at? You know, it's a it's an open bar. My friends are here. It's my only daughter. We. We, we complained to you about how we couldn't have a child for six years. Look, I honestly, I just thought it was kind of a thing where you were having erectile dysfunction. To be honest with you, I never really thought it was, you know, I, 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 was. I, I blamed. Wow. I was right. <laughs> See, <laughs> give me some of the bump. Yeah, give me that bump. <laughs> oh, this is. Uh, just, uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm in the midst of an of an intervention. I do feel of an intervention. I do feel like this is a moment in my life where I'm like, I gotta deal with this. So yeah, to to your point, like I don't, uh, I think I have like a righteous anger. Like, I here's the thing that I that I'm. It's strange, but I'm coming to terms with it. When I was a kid, I read hundreds of superhero comics. So I have a vigilante like like paradigm in my mind of like right the wrongs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like tr- I'm like trying to learn that like just like I was saying to you, just because you're right doesn't mean you get to behave whatever way you want. And I don't even think I behave whatever way I want, but even as far as I allow myself to go is too far. And like, yeah, because sometimes to, you're just talking about music or something. It's basically pretty it's, subjective. It's got nothing to do with right or I wrong. Just go to, tr- yeah. Th- I think it's hard to. It's hard to. I think. I think it's just control. It's just issues of control and trying to, like, relinquish control and let the world be and let people be as they will be. Because I don't see the bigger picture. And it's like, imagine we were just talking about Mike Tyson. And imagine if I knew Mike Tyson 20 years ago and I was trying to like force him to be some other way because I thought it was better for him. But it's like, I don't know. I really don't know. And it's it's like there's moments where I'm like sober minded when I can understand that. And then there's other moments where that seems to disappear. It's it's scary and it's tough. Anya, Anya and I talk about it all the time. And it's really a weird. Uh, well, think about it from an improv perspective. Like it. Like I'm a, I mean, I'm, a, I do stand up, which is basic. That's about as Darwin. That's Darwinism, man. That's like, mm-hmm. I, it's me versus you in the audience. I know best. I know what's funny. So I understand that part of the brain that's like, why don't you just sit down and shut up and I'm going to be funny. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, I was telling you before the podcast or not podcast, but radio show, which will this become a podcast. a podcast. Yeah. So on I was radio free you, Brooklyn. Hold on. Don't lose that thought. Radio free Brooklyn. You're listening to radio free independent listener supported radio. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Um, this is, <laughs> I'm going to read about cancer in the middle of your point. This is a CSP, uh, cancer services program of Brooklyn for men aged 45 and older in Kings County. You can, uh, you might qualify for free colorectal cancer screenings. Uh, contact CSP at 718-250-8708, 718-250-8708, or learn more at tinyurl.com backslash NY cancer screening. All right. So. Uh, I thought a lot about this because I don't know if I'm a Gemini, but I definitely have this like I know best thing going on inside mm-hmm. of me. But uh, I also believe a couple of things that I I mean, ultimately, it's like I think the bigger things take care of the smaller things. 
So as a bigger thing, I believe is a value statement for me. I think people that think they absolutely are right about something don't know what they're talking about. So I already, when someone's absolute about something, I always think that I don't know that you know exactly what you're talking about. Because to me, the smartest people know like, okay, well, this is what I go with. But I also can understand this perspective. Like there's usually perspectives. Yeah. I mean, so you can, you know, even back in Plato's times, people would just sit around the square and they would have discourse, you know, and all of that. So I, I definitely do kind of think that. I also think like, and I've even brought this up in class before. I used to live, uh, when I was like right out of college, I used to live with this guy, his name was Fahad. And he was always taking self-defense classes and stuff. And he would come up to me and say, hey, Chris, come here. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I want to take you down uh, with this wrist lock. And he said, he just grabbed my wrist and I would grab his wrist. And he said, no, 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 no. You got to grab my wrist like this. <laughs> you know, that's not the right way to grab my wrist. And it's like, dude, you don't know how to do this move. If you've got the, if you need somebody to do it a certain way. And I oh, think wow. a lot of times we're on in these team conversations or where people are like, this is the absolute right thing. It's sort of like, no, you need it to be the right thing because this is what it somehow it's got nothing to do with the conversation. Uh. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, and this is an improv thing. I believe the best improvisers uh, are more like improv is, a, is an art form that you have to give up control to have some control. Oof. Like if I'm trying to control or manage you, we're not going to have a good scene unless you happen to grab my wrist the right way. Right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you get lucky and like, oh, you're just kind of doing the thing I want you to do. Or, you know, I'm steamrolling you and maybe it comes off the audience likes it. But we both know that I really we weren't collaborative in that effort. But the best people, the people and you and I probably mutually like a lot of the same people that yeah. improvise. To me, it feels like it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter what other people do. Like to me, that's a master improviser where I can make anyone look good on stage. You do your thing. I'm going to heighten it. Yes, and it, whatever I do, but I'm going to make it matter. But I'm not going to try to make you do what I need you to do on stage because mm -hmm. I'm on. I mean, I'm on a group that's considered probably one of the better groups in New York. Mm -hmm. And I the would Baldwin's. say yeah. the Baldwins we do once a month at the People's Improv Theater on Saturday <laughs> nights. Uh, I don't think uh, maybe maybe half the time and I'm being very uh, I'm giving, I'm bumping the numbers up to say half the time, do things remotely go the way that I think, or do it remotely goes the way that I want it to be. But that's what happens when you get seven or eight people, on, you know, on a stage. Yeah, yeah. So I've learned that I got to surf the wave, you know, or like Bruce Lee, when it was sort of like technique is not where it's at writing the, you know, be like water, be malleable, let it come to you and then adjust things. So I'm more, I think more and more over, over my career as an improviser. And sometimes even with stand up with an audience, I try to just surf the energy that's coming at me rather than try to control it. And sometimes when I'm talking to people, I genuinely want to have an empathetic curiosity for what, why they think the way they think. And maybe that's the Southern in me, but I feel like that sort of neutralizes some of this, like, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. Let me tell you, mm. this is what's up. This is why you're making, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And then what's fine, because we've been talking about triggers through all this. One of the few triggers I have, which is probably why I don't do this on social media, uh, just rude behavior. I, I mm. find I, I react very quickly to rude behavior and I want to not be around that. So mm. I don't know. I don't know if any of that means anything, but I do think that like the idea of we all have different experiences and that's what's interesting what's going on in society right now also for me is that why do why does it matter so much that this group of people why do they have to do things the way that I want them to do or why did why do they have to do and it's all about some weird trying to control things 
because this is the right thing. But it's really not about the right thing most of the time. I think it's about, you said, control. And I think people desperately want some illusion of control. How do you, Xavier, how, how are you, does improv affect your demeanor, your manner in, in like navigating all this? Or are you just naturally able to like let people be? I feel like that's a, I'm just, I'm just projecting that onto you. I feel like that's a, that's an ethos of yours. Or am I totally wrong about that? Improv is, is definitely uh, curbed my behavior in mm. a specific way. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I don't, I think I wouldn't be who I am with, uh, right now. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Right. I mean, like I came from a small town in Memphis and I had a lot of dude baggage when I started doing improv a long time ago. I had a very much like, I don't like people like, I didn't like robots or organics or anything where people were trying to like, you know, mess with my, what I consider my, my man version in my head. Wow. And I will tell people like. But now, I mean, like, I have no dignity on stage. You know what I mean? Like, I'll yeah. do anything on stage. And I think it made me better because how many times can you do organics? Can you play a kitten on stage? Can you? Bro, can you trying you, to hug me, bro? Yeah. It's, I was bro, you like trying that. to hug me, bro? Back up. Back up, bro. You trying to hug me, bro? Someone's going to get hugged. Bro, no, I'm here on. to do a family reunion, bro. I'm not here to get hugged, bro. Here we go. Come yeah. on in. Come on in. You think I'm going to pet a cat, bro? I'm not going to pet a kitten, bro. Pet, pet my kitten, man. Pet my kitten. No. No, bro. Yeah, what's man. that kitten's name, bro? Looks dumb. That what's that kitten's name? What's Blofeld? Like Bond, like the ultimate dude. Blofeld the cat. <laughs> yeah, Blofeld likes you. Come on in, Blofeld. No. Get that hug. No, bro. Get that I don't hug. need a hug. You need Just a hug. Just need to do it. A f- Let's do a handshake, like cousins, uncles, aunties, whatever you got, and no. have a cannoli. Let's move. I don't need a. Uh, I don't need any hugs. Let's get in there. Come on. You know what? I'll, I'll, all right. I tell you what. Half hug. Half hug. Half hug. Half hug. Half hug. But I'm gonna have my torso sticking out back the back way Uh-oh. so I can escape quickly. Oh, look out! Who's, who's yep. you know, look who's Put coming in for the other half? Oh no, no, the cat's coming! No, 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 no! Let's all right. Come on! I'm just gonna reach my arm over your shoulder yeah, lightly, get in pat there, the top of your neck. No, mm, let it in. I'm gonna have a bicep flex each arm, mm. each arm. The kittens, okay, the kittens nuzzling me. Don't. Yeah. Get don't. in there, Blofeld. No, 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 no. I'm going to drink a Corona beer. Yeah. No, don't. Kitten's nuzzling me. Uh-huh. You're looking me in the eyes. I yeah. don't like it. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, you're a second cousin. Just keep it distant. All right. Wow. Blofeld. Do you hear that? He's got to make that's, a point. That's good I enough. got to be the second cousin. That's good enough. All right. Hey, look. Have you noticed no one else in the family is talking to you? You know? Like, we're coming in for the love, but everybody else thinks you want to fight all the time. Stop I just fighting, man. That's how I show love. Stop fighting, bro. Huh. That's how I show love. <laughs> yeah. That's how I show love. You guys ever heard the message by Melly Mel? One of the greatest hip hop songs ever. What's up? Hey Ralph, it's me, Melly Mel. Oh shit. Oh, what? Oh my bad. Oh. What's your name? My name is Ralph. <laughs> Melly Mel, talking. you're a cousin? What? Yeah, I noticed some of your internet uh, comments uh, arguing. Yeah. Oh, Blofeld. Hey. Melly Mel, how could you embrace that kitten? Oh, you think this is weird that I've embraced this kitten? Well, it's just that you're admonishing me for my internet behavior and embracing a kitten. That's not manly. That's You're showing care and, and affection, concern. Yeah. No, it's not manly. You're right, Ralph. What? 
is human. Oh. Wow, meow, meow. And Melly Mel is human all the way, 100%, dog. Wow. Wow, wow. How come your muscles are getting bigger and mine are getting smaller? Wow, wow. That's because I'm embracing all aspects of my personality. Wow, wow. Somebody, somebody grab me. I'm going down. Hey, I'm going in for the full hug. Oh. Going in for the full hug. I'll get in there, Save blow, this man. Oh, damn uh. it. Now I expect you to cry, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Blofeld. Holy shit, Blofeld. <laughs> I can't can talk. <laughs> it can <laughs> see right into me. Prepare for love, Mr. Bond. <laughs> he knows all the, the the lines to Bond films. Only the villain lines. <laughs> oh. Broken glass everywhere. That's right. You can cry. <laughs> hey guys, the wedding's gonna start in a couple minutes. <laughs> All right, let's yeah, man up. All right, scene, scene, good, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, we did, yeah, we didn't do any background stuff on you. Anya and I spent like a week in Memphis when we were. On I our, know y'all were talking to me about where to perform. I think we were in Memphis when I listened to you on Centralia podcast. Who this podcast no suggestion is named for because they never. Oh take a suggestion. wow! Yeah, um, I think we were in Memphis. Or Tennessee somewhere when we when we listen to you on there, but uh, yeah, I love I love Memphis. I thought it was so cool. I love Memphis too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a it's it's. I always tell everybody it's it's. You really couldn't ask for a better two or three days. I mean, there's so many cool things to do there. I spent a lot of time in that big park. Yeah, well, you were performing there, right? Yeah, we did some shows there. We met some comics. I met a guy there named. He's 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 a New Yorker, but he lived in Memphis a long time. His name is Jawa. Really funny. That's guy. a name. Yeah, yeah. wow. That's a, a comedy com- name. Hey, everybody, Jawa. get ready for Jawa. Who <laughs> <laughs> is? But uh, I, w- I want you to tell people what you what you got going on, where they can see, where they can find you, uh, what what you're doing, because you get a lot of you you get you get a lot of things going on. Um, well, you can always find my let's be social media friends, Chris Griggs, G R I G G S, Chris Griggs Comedy dot com. All my social media is on there, so um, we can find each other. Also, uh, I'm in an improv group that's been around for, I don't know, 12, 13 years called The Baldwins. Uh, we're on thebaldwinscomedy.com, and we're at the People's Improv Theater on 24th Street in New York City, and we do a show once a month. Um, hopefully, we used to do weekly for 10 years, but everybody had babies over the pandemic, so we're, we're managing who that. Who plays with you guys these days? Um, well, right now, we just added Christine Pinero, who I'm, she's kind of a, she's a New York legend. Best. A lot of people yeah. know her. Um, Sarah Nowak is still in the group. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Kevin Craig. Uh, kind of Kevin was what's so crazy is I've played with Kevin for uh, what like 13 years 12 years and Kevin was a legend before that I mean, so <laughs> he was already a kind of an He's improv legend, legend around New York sure, yeah. so it's kind of sometimes I'm on stage with him and I'm like you were a legend before you became another legend or something like yeah. that so it's fascinating what's funny is that Kevin's one of those that had a, um, a baby and uh, so some oh, of wow. the and what I love is there's a lot of new improvisers coming out of the pandemic and I love to watch him blow their mind uh, because when they get to see uh, the group for the first time, which is kind of cool. 30 seconds. And uh, that's kind of it. You'll find all my stuff. I do stand up all around town. Book me. Let's do stuff. You know, that's it. At Chris Griggs. All right. Uh, thank you again, Xavier, co-host Xavier. Uh, lovely, lovely. You got you got shows you want to plug? I don't yeah. know when this is coming out. People are hearing it live now. Okay. Well, well, we have, I have a show coming up Juneteenth. Juneteenth at the Asylum New York. I'll be there. I'll be on that show. Oh, Boom. you'll be on it? North nice. Coast will be on that yeah, show. Yeah, North Coast is on it. A bunch of really great uh, teams are going to be there. So, yeah. I should have be fun. plugging North Coast stuff on this show. Go yeah. to my website at Pre- uh, no at not at well at Precious Gorgeous Ralph is where you can find my social media. Precious Gorgeous me is where you can find this podcast and the North Coast podcast and support.